Brothers and sisters, good morning. We are going to talk about the gospel today. And I think the gospel, uh, the story of the Good Samaritan, has two very essential messages for us today. There are two really great ways to understand this gospel. One you probably already know, and the other you probably also already know, but might not know that you know, you know? The first way to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan is as a moral tale, a story where we're instructed on moral action. Christ is asked a question, and then he affirms that, yeah, in order to inherit eternal life, you have to love the Lord your God with all your everything and your neighbor as yourself. But then this smug, punk scholar of the law asks a follow-up question. You can almost hear the attitude in his voice as he tries to justify himself. And who is my neighbor? Who is your neighbor? You know, I think we've grown so used to hearing this story that we probably have a throwaway answer. I bet you, when I asked that question, probably an answer came up in your mind pretty quick. Who is your neighbor? Right, you had an answer, right? But just at least for this morning, allow the question to be asked and to be real and to be genuine. Let the answer be open, and let's find out what Jesus says. Imagine the man responds with this parable that we're very familiar with. A man is robbed and left half dead, and a priest and a Levite both pass him by separately. A little side note, you know, I, I think that sometimes these two characters, the priest and the Levite, get unfairly painted as cartoon villains, you know, complete with little twirly mustache and evil intention. And, you know, you might say, yeah, and they deserve it because they didn't stop. Fine. But if we impose upon them this character of villain with all the evil intention, we think, oh man, those t that priest, I hate that priest. That Levite, how irresponsible, how careless, how cold-hearted. If I were there, I would have been like the Samaritan. We think. But we don't do ourselves any favors when we imagine the story that way. Because it might not be that the priest and the Levite were somehow terribly villainous, exceptionally evil, while everyone else was good. Maybe they were just human. I can think of the excuses I might use in a situation like that. I might say, oh, no, this is a dangerous area. I can't stay here. Or maybe... I'm already late, you know, besides, I, I don't even know how to go about helping this guy if he even can be helped. Someone else might know better than me. Maybe we ought to give the priest and the Levite a little sympathy, which doesn't justify their actions. It just helps us to see that Jesus' demand isn't just to the particularly villainous. It's also to you and to me. Anyways, that's an aside. Who is my neighbor? Not those two guys. 
moving on, the Samaritan walks up. And do you notice in the story what the Samaritan doesn't do? He comes and does everything that's good. He sees the man. He's, he's struck viscerally. His heart is wrenched open. He does a lot of good things. But he doesn't stop and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Is this guy my neighbor? Am I obligated to help this man? Is this my responsibility? Will helping this man win me enough points for heaven? Get me the good pew? Jesus ends the parable by asking his, he asks the question, asks his original inquisitor, which of these was neighbor to the robber's victim? Not, in your opinion, who was neighborly enough for the Samaritan to love? Essentially, if you follow me, Jesus turns the question, who is my neighbor, on its head. He doesn't just say, who is my neighbor? Everyone is my neighbor. He says, who is my neighbor? Why would you ask that question? Stop it. The proper question is not, who is my neighbor? Who deserves my love? The proper question is, to whom can I be a neighbor? Become someone whose heart is open to being shaken up by another's need. This is the command Jesus gives when he says, go and do likewise. And we would do well to listen. This is sort of the moral of the story, and this is the first message of the gospel that you might already know. Now, we've seen that the Good Samaritan is a moral tale, but there's also another totally legitimate and very powerful way to understand this gospel that goes beyond a basic moral life. Because, as I've preached from this pulpit before, the gospel, the Bible, is not just a rule book. It does not exist primarily to teach us the rules of right and wrong, not just existing to tell us how to act. Its purpose is to continually facilitate an encounter with God. Its purpose is to get you to bump into God. Because the most important thing that happened in the gospel was that Jesus became a man. He came here and shared in humanity with you. And then he suffered and died and rose to be able to elevate that humanity. And he didn't just do it so that you could look at art in a church and say, wow, what an old church. That's some pretty art. Sure is, ain't it? Ah. Anyways, on to donuts. No. He does this so you can come in contact with it again and again and again, because you need it. You need it, and I need it. We all need it. And this is why we have this good news, this story, to encounter Christ, not just when you were in CCD, not just occasionally, but every time you hear it, to say, oh, I almost forgot. There you are. So, our restless hearts 
may find rest when they encounter Christ in the story. And that is why this story exists too, so that we can have this encounter. Because the, the essential message, this encounter, the gospel itself, is not something far off. Like in the first reading we heard with Moses, Moses said to Israel that the thing that they desired most, the thing that would give them satisfaction, is not too mysterious and remote for you. It's not up in the sky somewhere so that you would say, oh no, who will go up in the sky and get it for us? Who will tell us about it? No. No. It's not in the sky because it came down from the sky when God became a man. It is very near you, already in your mouths and in your heart. And this is the second message in the gospel, the one you might not know, but you probably know it, but might not know that you know it. The second way we can understand this gospel involves giving the man who fell victim to robbers an identity. Do you know who he is? He fell victim to robbers, beat up, left half dead. Who is that? That's me and it's you. It's every man and woman beaten down by Satan, by the world, robbed of our original innocence, alienated and left half dead with a fallen nature. The road, said the early Christians, that he walked was human history. The priest and the Levite who pass by are representatives of religions and cultures from the world. Not necessarily bad, but incapable of actually helping us. Then comes the Samaritan. And if we're the assault victim, then the Samaritan can only be the image of Jesus. God himself, who seemed somewhat foreign and distant, like a Samaritan. But he came to take care of his wounded creature. God, once distant, has made himself our neighbor. He pours oil and wine into our wounds, which are signs of the sacraments. He brings us to the inn, the church. He pays the price for us, and he says to the innkeeper, take care of him. If you spend more than what I've given you, I shall repay it on my way back. Christ will come again and will settle all debts. All, all of mankind was lying helpless by the roadside of history, and God himself became man's neighbor in Jesus Christ. So today we have two different ways of understanding this gospel. It teaches us a moral lesson and it shows us Christ. And maybe one of these hit you a little more than the other today and that's okay. But both of them work together. And we're all of us just a little off sometimes. We all need Christ in our lives probably more than we realize. He comes to become our neighbor and in so doing permits us to see and indeed shows us that we better be neighbors to each other also. 
We've got a good God, folks. Let's go and be like him. Amen.